This time each and every Friday morning, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayeshev. Before we discuss Parshas Vayeshev, however, I would just like to review some of the basic laws of Hanukkah that, please God, is coming this forthcoming Wednesday evening. And so let us review. We find in the Gemara Shabbos on Chof Aleph Amid Beis 21b, Tan Rabbanon, the rabbis taught that beginning with the 25th day of Kislev, there are eight days of Hanukkah, on which it is forbidden to eulogize and forbidden to fast, even if one has yard sight. When the Greeks entered the sanctuary of the temple, they defiled all the oil in the sanctuary. And when the Hashmonoyim dynasty proved victorious, they discovered but one undisturbed jar of oil with the seal of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, and there was only enough oil to burn for one day. A miracle occurred, and they kindled it for eight days. And the following year, they established these eight days and made them a festival for Hallel and Hoda'ah for praise and thanksgiving. Therefore, we relive the past. We don't only remember it, but we light candles in our home to literally perpetuate and remind us of the miracle which took place. The halacha tells us that men, women, and children who have reached the age of chinuch, who understand the significance of lighting their Hanukkah, are required to light the Hanukkah candles. Now, it's interesting to note that regarding the Ner Hanukkah, we find something in the Gemara and in the Shulchan Aruch, which differs from most other mitzvos, And that is that all mitzvos have a concept of Hidur mitzvah. That is, if you can do the mitzvah in a greater, more enhanced way, we should so do it that way. So for example, the Gemara in Bavakama, Davtes Amaralis, teaches us that Hidur Mitzvah, to improve and to enhance the mitzvah, you would have to spend up to a third more. So, assuming you could buy an esrog for $30 and you have the additional monies, you'd be obligated for the purpose of Hidur Mitzvah to spend $40. You wouldn't be obligated to spend more than that. If you want to, you certainly could. But the obligation would only go until a shlish or a third more. Note, this is not the case with Ne'er Hanukkah. The mitzvah 
and this is very important to know, is Ner Ish Ubeso. Ner Ish Ubeso means that each and every night, one candle would and could suffice per night. So, if a person only had one candle, they could recite not only the first night, the three blessings, but each and every night they can recite the two blessings over that one candle. Ideally, we go for more. And the Talmud speaks of the Mahadrin. And the Mahadrin was that candles were lit in accordance with the number of people in the household. Four in the household, four on the first night, four on the second night, etc. Mahadrin min mahadrin is that each one lights in the house, and the idea is that each night we increase the number of candles reflecting the day of Hanukkah, the fourth day you would light four candles, and so forth and so on. But note, now that we have these three tiers of the mitzvah, mahadrin, which means to enhance, and mahadrin mina mahadrin, the most and highest form of enhancement, look how much more this is than the shlish, on the se- than the third. On the second night already, we are doubling that which is the initial mitzvah, and the basic mitzvah, and by the eighth night we have gone eight times as opposed to simply a third. Now, why might this be the case? And the answer I'd like to suggest is based upon our appreciation of Hanukkah in general. That is, the Bach, in his beginning of his commentary on Hilchos Hanukkah, asks why is Hanukkah different than Purim? Purim, there's an obligation to have a su'uda, a feast, and on Hanukkah there is no obligation. And the answer that he gives is as follows. A, by Purim, it was the Jewish body that was threatened, and therefore we gladden the body by having a su'uda, a festive meal, On Hanukkah, there was not a physical threat, but a spiritual threat. Namely, if a Jew was willing not to circumcise their child, and not to keep the Shabbat, and not to keep kosher, they were not harmed physically. So, given that the threat was a spiritual one, we respond with lighting of the candle, Ne'er Hashem Nishmas Adam, the Ne'er, the candle, is reflective of the soul, and therefore the observance of the holiday is primarily with the candle. However, the Bach writes that given, why did we lose the control over the Beis Hamikdash to the Greeks, his language is nisrashlu ba'avodasam. Unfortunately, the Beis Hamikdash lost not only its excitement; it became second nature to them. They didn't appreciate it, and it became humdrum. And therefore, now that we received it and we got it back, oh no. 
we didn't do any of the mitzvos at that time just to be quote yotze in the more in the minimum form we did it in the best way possible best proof from the letter of the law you didn't need a miracle tuma hutra betsibor if the majority of the community are in a state of impurity, which they were, and the majority of the oil was impure. From the letter of the law, we could have used impure oil. We didn't need the whole miracle in the first place. Or, when they found one jar of pure oil, they could have taken the wick. They knew it would take them eight days to get more oil. They could have taken the regular wick and reduced it and made it especially thin and only have one-eighth of the size of the wick and that one jar of oil oil could have gone for eight days, but the answer is no. We looked and we looked and we looked until we found that one jar of pure oil. We didn't want to use the impure, and we didn't want to use the wick of a smaller nature. So, as we went out of our way, God reciprocated in kind. And that's why the entire laws of Hanukkah reflect this kind of not being satisfied with the bare minimum, but for a person to go way beyond. And it's for that reason that, interestingly, the halacha says that if, God forbid, a person doesn't have oil or candle, they have to go and literally show ale big, and they have to if necessary, sell their garment. This is true, amazing, for a rabbinic law, but it's not true for biblical laws. And the answer is, once again, the whole miracle of Hanukkah came about because we were ready, willing, and able to be Moser Nefesh. Okay, here we go. On the first night of Hanukkah, so we light one candle and on each night as we pointed out we add we put the candles in from right to left and we light the menorah from left to right now the time of lighting the menorah is ideally with the end of shkia the end of sunset, or Tseis HaKochavim, when the stars have come out, approximately 5 o'clock in the New York City area at this time. Now, if one had to light earlier, and we'll talk about lighting, please God, for next Shabbos Hanukkah, when you have to light early, we'll talk about it next Friday, Hashem. but if one had to light Early, the earliest one could light with brachos is from Plaga Mincha. Halachically, the last hour and a quarter of the day, which would be approximately a little bit after 3.30 in the afternoon. However, if you light at, if you, for extenuating circumstances, a little bit after 3.30, the candles have to, or the oil has to be sufficient that it can go until 5 o'clock, which is the ideal time for lighting, and then to be able to go the half an hour, which is the minimum amount of time that the candles or oil are to be lit and light on each night of Hanukkah. Okay, now... The menorah is to be placed in 
an area where it can be seen ideally in the outside, the passers-by. This is called Persume Nisa, and publicizing the miracle. If one lives in, in an area where people will not see it from the outside, then by all means it is to be placed in the house in a place where the members of the household will see it. There is an interesting opinion of the Mishnah Brura that ideally one is not to light the menorah unless there's somebody up and present at the time of lighting the menorah. So much so that the Chafetz Chaim says that if people are sleeping, shh, wake one individual, ideally to be there with you when you light the menorah. Others disagree and say you can even light the menorah if you are alone with nobody present with you. Before one lights the menorah, one recites on the first night the three brachos, the bracha of the Hadlik Neir, the second bracha of Sha'asanisim, and finally the bracha of Shechianu. If one did not recite the Shechianu the first night, one can recite the Shechianu any time, but only at lighting. You do it on the second night, the third, you can recite the Shechianu during the day of Hanukkah or any other time except by the lighting of the menorah. Um, regarding the philos of Hanukkah, we add to our um, tfilos on in the Shemona Esrei and the Alanisim and in the Birkas HaMazon as well, the Alanisim, both of which are placed in the bracha of Hoda'a, which is the blessing of thanksgiving. We say Hallel, full Hallel, on all eight days of Hanukkah, and the Hoda'a, the thanksgiving, is placed in the blessing of thanksgiving. Every Shmona Esrei contains a bracha of modim, of thanksgiving, and we continue that with thanking Hashem specifically, Alanisim, for the miracles which took place at Hanukkah. And this is true that we add in the second blessing of the Birkas HaMazon as well. As we mentioned, there is no obligation to have Hanukkah parties. However, given the nature of the Jewish calendar and Hanukkah and Purim are the only holidays that we can really drive on, it's wonderful that family and friends do get together and celebrate Hanukkah together. The Ramah says that ideally we should enhance the gathering by singing appropriate songs of celebration and Divrei Torah to make it a much more meaningful um, um, gathering. If one is visiting and having dinner at family or at friends, they should light the menorah in their own home where they're going to be sleeping. If they can do it before they go, fine. If not, when they come home, they should light the menorah in their own home. If you're sleeping in somebody else's home, 
then A, ideally, bring a menorah, get a menorah, light the menorah in the home that you are sleeping. If that cannot be done, then you become a partner with your host by giving your host even a small token of money that you become a partner in his lighting of either or candles or oil. I just want to share with you one thought from Parshas Vayeshev. Parshas Vayeshev is the Parsha whereby I, what happened when Hashem said to Avraham, you should know that your children are going to be strangers in a land which is not theirs, at the Brisbane Absarim, chapter 15, in Bereshis. And this starts how? Rabos Machshavos Plevish, Vasas Hashem Hisokum. God directs history. And the directing of history is getting Yosef down to Mitzrayim. And Yosef, we know, goes down to Mitzrayim by being sold there by his brothers. I just want to focus on one quick phrase from the parasha. The Torah tells us that Yaakov sends Yosef to see how his brothers are doing. He sends him to Shechem. He comes to Shechem, the brothers are not there. A ish, a man, Rashi tells us, it's the angel Gavriel, finds him and says, Matavakesh, what are you looking for? So he says, Es achai onochi mevakesh. I am looking for my brothers. Literally, he's looking for Reuven Shimon Levi. Our rabbis understand on a much deeper level, he's looking for the relationship of brotherhood. He wants that relationship which unfortunately has broken down. The brothers are jealous of him. The brothers are envious of him. Father gave him the coat. He had the dreams. He wants that there should be a close-knit relationship between himself and his brothers. And what does the gentleman, the angel, say to him? Nos umizeh. Literally, they have traveled from here, which means that they're not found in this location, or more deeply, the brothers are not interested in that. And I'll add the word yet. What's going on with Hanukkah? Hanukkah, we say in the Alhanisim, thank you Hashem for that which you have saved us, and miraculously, we won the victory, and you gave over Tameim Biat Tahorim, literally the impure to the hands of the pure, which our rabbis tell us refers to the Greeks into the hands of the Jewish soldiers. Rishoyim Biat Sadikim, the not yet good into the hands of the righteous, this refers to the Misyavnim. This refers to those Jews who unfortunately were looking to assimilate. And finally, Zaytim Biaroske Sorosecha, this refers to those who, as is translated, they were the wanton ones, namely those who were not yet diligent and didn't follow the oral law, they were given over to Oske Sorosecha, the Sadducees, the Tztukim, were given over to the Pharisees, to those who kept the oral law. Esachai Onochi Mevakesh, going into Shabbos Vayeshev, going into Hanukkah, we should realize, and when we light the menorah, what we are proclaiming, we're proclaiming the pride that we have in the continuity 
of our people, but we put it near the entrance by the window, inviting others to look in, inviting those who are not yet affiliated to come and to join, to reach out, to show that we care and earnestly yearn for Achai Rochim Evakesh, the unity and brotherhood within our people. And I pray that through our celebration and thanksgiving during Hanukkah, this will bring us one big step closer to this ideal fulfillment of Esachai Anochim Vakesh. Shabbat Shalom and a happy Hanukkah to all.